This is the Southern Hills Church of God, and this is our podcast. We want to thank you for joining us today. We hope this inspires you and guides you and builds your faith. God bless and enjoy this message. Amen. Can we give a hand clap of praise to the Lord this morning? Amen and amen. Thank you guys so much. Well, good morning. Good morning, church. It's good to be here. I get to stand up here today. Pastor Chris has given me this awesome, awesome opportunity. And of course, he always asks me right after Asif preaches. (laughs) I I was blessed last week, brother, and I appreciated that so so much. He's doing great. Uh, Pastor Chris, he's feeling a lot better than what he was. He had a, what he called this morning, the worst cold he's ever had. So, but he is doing much better. So continue to pray for him and his family as they come back home from Alabama. You know, I hope that you have had a wonderful and outstanding Christmas. I know that me and my family did and, and uh, you know, I'm, it's, it's a blessing. It's a blessing that we were able to be together, and you know the nice thing about Christmas and uh, and Thanksgiving is the fact that you know I didn't have to think anything about 2020. I think that was the you know that was one of the greatest things, and it was just the pleasantry to just sit back and enjoy my family, and enjoy my friends, and most of all enjoy Christ and all that He's brought us through in this uh, in this year. And you know we're we're at the last part of 2020, right? We're on the last um, Sunday of 2020. I know we still have a Wednesday to go, but we've made it. (laughs) We've made it. And uh, we're here. And, uh, you know, to be honest with you today, I could probably walk off this stage, literally, and we could probably just have a time of prayer. Because there's so many needs and so many things and battles that everybody has faced over this last year and is continuing to face. And I believe I could probably just walk off the stage, like I said, and we could probably just pray with one another. Because this this year um, has been a wild one. And, you know, it's been a trial after another, but, you know, um, personally, it's been one of the toughest for me. And, and uh, I know I can't speak for everybody else or watching online this morning, but it's been one of the toughest years that I've ever had. Um, and I'm sure many of you as well, there's no questions about it. But, you know, I, I imagine you have the same sentiment as I would have today. And all I got to say is, wow, 2020, <laughs> 2020. But Storms is the title of my message today, and Tyler's got me a graphic up there, but I hope that I can encourage you. You know, you're probably seeing this this title, and you're like, I'm out of here. <laughs> this is going to be a doom and gloom message, right? But no, I want to encourage you today, and I want to, you know, paint you this picture, and, and uh, I just want you to give me just a few minutes of your time this morning. I'm not going to be long. I know that many of you probably still have some Christmas things to do, and that's a beautiful thing, right? A beautiful thing, family. And, uh, you know, celebrating Christ's birth. Like I said, I want to paint you this picture today. And I delivered a similar message to the youth, and I've got some of them in here today, not too long ago. And we were in the midst of this 2020 season. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I wanted to share with you all today, though. I wanted to share with you all today because I felt uh, it's needed and that God continues to grab a hold of my heart on this on this story and, and, and this simple but reassuring message that's storms. So we live in Oklahoma, right? <laughs> we live in Oklahoma, okay? We know everything about storms. 
And we get every single storm wrapped up in 12 months, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's wild and crazy. When you think of Oklahoma, many people are like, oh, horses and buggies and no, and planes, you know, and all this. No, storms. I'm telling you, you come here and you get ice storms, you get, what, tornadoes, you get uh, hurricanes, sleet, snow, dust, everything you can literally imagine, you get it all wrapped up into 12 months. And, you know, we Okies and the ones that have been placed here know that when May, you know, March, April, you know, those, those months come around, that's nadir season, right? That's nadir season, okay? And my wife will tell you today, during those times, my eyes are literally glued to the television because I am so intrigued by it. Now, I promise you, I pray that it's just out in the middle of a field, out of nowhere, and it's just, you know, you get to see the beauty of what God has, has, has uh, created. But, you know, the thing of it is, is, is that, you know, I want to be a storm chaser, but I'm, and I'm crazy, but I'm not that crazy, right? I'm not that crazy, okay? But I have a storm story to tell you this morning, and it's the first recollection that I have of my life and in the midst of a storm. And, and most of you lived it, okay? You were here for it. Um, and if you weren't, you've seen it on YouTube. I'm sure you've heard about it. Everyone's told you about uh, this, this, this uh, time and this moment in Oklahoma history, for sure, and just national history. But May 3rd, 1999, everyone remember that this morning, okay? May 3rd, 1999, I was a seven-year-old boy living in Moore, Oklahoma, okay, where there's been uh, several big-time tornadoes. And I remember that day vividly as the clouds began to roll in and a clear sky day turned into literal darkness. I remember that. I remember it being, you know, clear skies and all of a sudden it was dark. And, you know... uh, I remember that devastating F5 tornado that literally just came in and crushed everything and destroyed everything in its path. And I remember hunkering down in a closet with my mom. Now, I wouldn't tell you that's the smartest thing in the world to do. Okay, we we know a lot more about tornadoes, obviously, than we did then. But I was hunkered down in a closet with my mom, and I remember her praying. And I remember me listening to the train, the literal train that was outside of my house because it was so loud. It was four, maybe five miles away from our house. And I remember the calming noise. I remember that calming noise like you, can lit- you could sit inside your house and you hear that clock ticking. I could hear the clock ticking. But it was wild. You know, you could, you could hear the breath that you breathe in and out like scared out of your mind, and it was scary, and it was terrifying, and, you know, so much damage was done to homes, and you all, you all know what, what happened that day, and so much lost in families. It was a tragedy. It was awful, and what we didn't know when the storm passed and the sun came out was that damage that happened. We got to see it on the TV. You got to uh, drive just a little ways, and you could see everything that was going on, but we faced the storm. We faced the storm, and God had his hand over our lives, but I know so many people lost something that day. But I know God had his hand on, on me and my mom in, in, in our house. But today I want to talk about the time when Jesus and the disciples faced a storm. And you're probably saying, oh, he's talking about the disciples again. I love, I love the, the teachings and, you know, the, the writings about him and his disciples. Because, you know, they walked with him, right? They talked with him. They were with him every single day. And many of you have probably heard this story, and that's okay. All right, it's a, it's a Sunday school story, <laughs> all right? Um, but it's in the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to be reading Mark's account today, and it's in verses uh, 35 through 41, or, yeah, 41. I'm going to have Tyler put it up on the screen for us this morning. 
But starting in verse 35, it says, On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took with him, or they took him with uh, them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm, a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling, but he was in the stern asleep. <laughs> he was asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and the sea, and he said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Even the wind and sea obey him. So before we unravel this specific passage in the Bible, I think it's important for us to step back and to look. Whenever I'm... Uh, whenever I'm uh, studying or reading, I like to take a step back and, and maybe look at the historic and literary perspective of it in the context in which these verses appear. And so many of you probably know this, but the Gospel of Mark contains no explicit statement of purpose, unlike the opening lines of Luke, for example. Yet the text indicates that Mark's overarching goal was to help people understand the meaning of what Jesus had done and what discipleship to Jesus must look like. As M. Eugene Boring puts it, a threatening, confused, and conflicted situation. There is a wide consensus of, uh, among biblical scholars and historians that Mark was written between 65 and 75 A.D. During, here's, the, here's the, the clue, is during or just after the height of the Jewish rebellion against Rome when he wrote this. And that resulted in mass persecutions of Christians and Jews and the destruction of the temple and of Jerusalem. There was turmoil going on, right? There was strife. There was, there was fighting. So the gospel of Mark was written during a difficult time in history, all right, and in of the early church. And one of the themes throughout Mark is him trying to encourage his readers to build up their faith. I want my faith built up today. I want my faith built up today. And, and even when they were facing the, the worst circumstances, the most challenging circumstances, he wanted them to literally build up their faith. And unlike the Gospels written by Matthew and Mark, Mark's Gospel doesn't begin with the birth of Jesus, okay? And eases us into the story of his life and of his ministry. I think that's pretty cool, right? It just eases us on into the life and ministry and the teachings, and it dives right into the baptism, his temptation by Satan in the wilderness, and his calling of the disciples. And then the beginning of his ministry and preaching and, and healing that's all in chapter one. That's all in chapter one. And we're not going to read all of that today, okay? But you should go back if you haven't done it in a while. But so by the time we get to this text that we're looking at today, we're at the very end of chapter four and the story is well underway, right? It's already kicking. It's already moving. We're moving along. And this narrative on the Sea of Galilee appears at the conclusion of this chapter. It comes about. And that has been completely filled with Jesus' parables, you know, teaching parables and, and, and about the kingdom of God. So that's the bigger picture when we step back and we look at the Gospel of Mark. And I think there's a couple of questions that appear in, in Mark chapter 4 and, and the verses and the context that we're reading today. And, and those two questions are, what is Mark saying to his readers about their faith in this difficult time? What is he saying to his readers? And number two, what is Mark trying to tell his readers about Jesus and uh, the kingdom 
of God. So we're going to press into Mark 4, 35 and, and 41, and we're going to start by looking at who's involved, the characters, okay? And it's not much, okay? It's the disciples and Jesus, right? And they're out on the Sea of Galilee, and they're in this boat crossing the sea, and, and everyone else has been removed from the action of this story except those, all right, except those few and this is not, not all that extraordinary, right? It's, it's not, because this is something they did every single day. They were fishermen, right? And they were out just out in the middle of boats. So you can imagine me and Gabriel out in the middle of our pond out back, okay? This is an everyday thing, right? During the summer, we go out and we fish, okay? This is what they did. They were used to it. It's something they, they, that, that was their livelihood, right? And Jesus was with them. It was just a group of good old fishermen hopping in a boat. But then something happened, of course, right? Something happened. And that's where we're going to be in, in Mark 4 and 37. And it says, a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat. They were breaking into the boat. It was a windstorm so that the boat was already filling. One of the tra- uh, things I like to do when, I, when I'm reading the Bible is to look at different translations. So in the NIV version, instead of calling it a great windstorm, it calls it a furious squall. Wow. <laughs> that sounds pretty intense to me. Sounds pretty intense to me. It calls it a furious squall. And in the NRSV version of the, this verse, instead of saying the waves were breaking into the boat, it says that it was, became swamped. Straight out the bayou, right? Became swamped. Okay, the water was all filling, and, and it was a nasty, nasty storm. I can promise you I was terrified just reading it. But the idea of being on a boat in this furious squall, it terrifies me, right? I, I'm sure it may make you a little scared, too, if you can imagine yourself in that boat with, with them and Jesus but I know that I would not have been doing well on this night. I know that because I've been on a cruise ship. Okay? I've been on a cruise ship, and I'm literally inside. But, hey, I'll tell you what. As soon as you start to walk down the, the hallways or whatever, and you start, you, know, you start moving because that boat is just a rocking, right? I've been on some pretty bad seas in a, in a cruise ship, and it is wild and, and crazy. Okay? But the rocking back and forth, and you're holding on to the walls, I can't imagine. I cannot imagine. And... and you know, these are guys that spent their entire lives out on the water. Their entire lives out on the water, and they were scared. Okay, they were scared, and, and you know, I know that I would be an absolute mess. Okay, and I, and I like to think of myself as a guy that doesn't get afraid of a whole lot, but hey, roller coasters and, uh, I guess, uh, great windstorms while you're on your boat. <laughs> it doesn't sound like a fun thing to me, but, you know, what is Jesus doing during this storm? What is he doing during this great storm? He was sleeping. <laughs> he was sleeping. And so, you know, just like, you know, any of his followers would do, they woke him up, right? His friends, any friend would do, hopefully, right, is wake him up. They woke him up, and they say in Mark uh, chapter 4, verses 38, it says, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They ask him that question. They ask him that question. Do you not care that we are perishing? So let me ask you two questions today. Does it ever feel like Jesus is sleeping when you're in trouble? Does it ever feel like Jesus is sleeping when you're in trouble? You know, I can, I can promise you that this morning, that I've been there about 15 times this year. But does, Jesus, does it ever feel like Jesus is sleeping when you're in trouble? And have you ever asked him, do you even care about me, Jesus? Do you even care about me, Jesus? You know, that hits home for a lot of people this morning those watching online and in here. But it's an interesting note to, uh, that in Matthew's version of the story, the disciples called Jesus Lord. They call Jesus Lord when they wake him up. And in Luke's version, they call him Master. But here in Mark, it's Teacher. 
its teacher. And perhaps Mark is using teacher in this account of his story because he wants the readers to understand that this is a moment about discipleship. This is a moment about discipleship. And the response from Jesus is fascinating to me because uh, first he rebukes the storm, right? He rebukes it, and it actually stops. <laughs> it, it actually stops. It, it stills in the wind, and uh, sea obeyed him. And, and here's a note. There are 18 miracle stories in Mark's gospel, and this one, a nature miracle, fits into Mark's wide use of miracles as a way to explain to his readers who Jesus was, what discipleship was. The wind and the sea obeyed him. Amen. Mark 4 and 41 says, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? You know, I think we can get so accustomed to these stories about Jesus and the things that he performed and all the miracles that he did that, that we forget to be amazed by him. We forget to be amazed by him sometimes. And this moment can and should shift our understanding of who Jesus is, who Jesus is and, and what the kingdom that he's talking about and the authority that he has over it. He told the sea to stop, right? The winds to stop moving. That's what your Jesus did. That's what my Jesus did in this moment. He had authority over it and that he's in control. You know, when I feel like that, Jesus, are you sleeping? I have to remember that he's in control of the situation, that he directs my steps. He directs your steps as well. You know, and then Jesus asked this double question in Mark 4 and 40. It says, why are you so afraid? Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? I just told the sea to stop. Why are you afraid? The second question elaborates on the first. He connects their fear to their lack of faith. They had a lack of faith. Sometimes do we have a lack of faith? And the beautiful thing about this text is that these questions are not just being asked by the, or to the disciples, they're even being asked to us as well. I love this. I love this. Anyone reading or listening to this narrative is invited to account for their own lack of faith, their own lack of faith in the view of the storms that threaten their lives, the things that you've been going for or going through. You know, the early Christians, when this was, when this was, uh, when this was wrote, it was a tumultuous time, right? They were going through some craziness, a lot like we've been going through. Okay, maybe not to that extent. But Mark's very first readers engaged with this text and were invited to make that decision of having that faith and considering their own fears and balance with their faith. So, you know, today we're invited to do the exact same thing. Today we're invited to, to do the exact same thing. And I want to ask you this, what are the storms in your life? What are the storms in your life? What are some of the things that, that are, you know, worrying you or causing you stress or maybe panic? Been there this year. Panic, fear, anger. Is that feeling stronger than your faith? Is that feeling stronger than your faith this morning? Man, Jesus, Jesus, help us. Robert Gulick said this, the disciples' fear of the storm overwhelmed their commitment to Jesus and their confidence that he didn't care for them. You know, their fear caused them to ask him even, do you care? Do you care about us? And I think we understand that all too well because sometimes life can become so overwhelming. 
it can be so, become so overwhelming, and I've got this, and I've got that, and, 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 you know, I've got all of these things going on in my life that I just can't make it through. I keep getting, you know, thing after thing piled up on my back. I feel like I'm like this, right? The things that we're struggling with. But here's the thing. If the guys who lived and worked alongside Jesus could lose sight of him and who he was in the midst of the story, then it makes sense that we can too, that we can do the same. But here's the cool thing. Just like Jesus calmed the storm for the disciples and invited them to have a deeper faith, he wants to calm the storms in your life as well. He wants to calm the storms in, in your life as well and invite you to have that deeper faith. Have that deeper faith. You know, every single time that I've been through something this year, I'm telling you, as soon as I'm in that moment, he catches me and said, you better have some faith in me, Daniel. You better have some faith in me, Daniel. So we're not going to forget that very last verse. And it says, and they were filled with great fear and said to one one another, who then is this? Who, Who then is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? Who is this? Who is this? They ask in awe. They were, they were amazed by him in this moment. And I believe the, that that's the most important question in this text because of how we answer the question, who is this? Because how we answer the question, who is this? And about, uh, you know, how we answer this is about uh, Jesus and, and how he has a direct impact on our faith and, and our fears. You know, I think Mark closed with this unanswered question, who is this? Because he wants us to answer it for ourselves. He wants you to answer it for yourselves this morning, Katie. Seth, he wants you to answer it for yourself. Who then is this? Who is he to you? What has he done in your life? And these verses challenge us to take stock of our fears. But with an all-filled view of Jesus, that invites us to have a deeper faith in the midst of our troubles. In the midst of our troubles, So I ask you, who is this? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Like I said, I'm not going to be long this morning, but I wanted to be short and straight to the point. Who is Jesus to you? I think that's a great question that we we have to ask ourselves at the end of this year is who is Jesus to you? Who is he? We know where Mark's story is headed. It's headed to the cross, right? Where Jesus died, all right? But he did not stay dead. His life, death, and resurrection tell a powerful story about what the kingdom of God is. Here's the thing. Jesus does not sleep while we suffer. Jesus does not sleep while you suffer. Jesus, 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 help us. Those times where you feel like you're by yourself, I promise you you're not. I promise you you're not. There's so many stories in this room today and there's, there's uh, stories that, you know, people all across the world have how God got them out of a situation, got them to, you know, a place where, you know, their, their fear was overcome by faith. Jesus does not sleep while we suffer. The storms of our lives will not overtake us because he has given authority over all creation. He told the sea to stop, the wind to obey him because he is our savior and our king. Seth, you can go ahead and come on up here and play this morning. You know, I believe that Mark is inviting each of us to go wake Jesus up. Go wake him up when life gets a little overwhelming for us. And, and you know, when that worry and that stress and that panic, anger, fear, whatever it may be, start to sweep in, you should go on and wake him up. Go on and wake him up.
Cast it all on him, like 1 Peter 5 and 7 says, because he takes care of you. He takes care of you. He takes care of one of us. Take it to him like we're told in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, and he will give you peace. He will give you peace. He'll give me peace, you peace. So who is this? He is the one who calms the storms. He's the one that calms the storms, and he is the one worthy of our faith this morning. If you can stand with me.